Why don't you get your Bible out and go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 17. Uh, Pastor Derek is not here today. I was not supposed to be here today. I was supposed to be over at Eagle Creek. And uh, Pastor Derek wrote about, uh, in a text thread, he, he said, hey, I, I seem to have picked up a fever. I am not feeling good at all. And he's a pretty tough guy. Um, and so he said, I, hey, I, I am sick. And so I thought, oh boy, it's eight o'clock. Who's going to speak over there tomorrow? And so I, I called, I called uh, Pastor Mike because he had told me he was mad that he didn't get a chance to preach this, this portion of Scripture. And I said, well, too bad, it's my turn. And so, um, so anyway, I thought, well, maybe I, could, maybe I could get Pastor Mike to maybe come over here or he could be preach eagle i'm trying to figure it out i I got just a little bit of time before people start going to bed on saturday night that's not where you want to be as 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 a minister right you need these things ironed out so so i I called i called pastor mike and he didn't pick up his phone and so i thought well i'll I'll call his wife my sister i'll call donya and so i called donya and she didn't pick up her phone and i said well i mean ethan can't be too far away so i called my nephew and he didn't pick up his phone and and so then I thought, oh man, I'm, uh, may, maybe my mom could preach. So I called my mother and she didn't pick up the phone. And then I called my dad, he didn't pick up the phone. And so I started having thoughts, did I miss the rapture? Like, like <laughs> what happened here, you know? But, but, then, but then Pastor Mike called and then I knew I didn't miss the rapture. So now, now I'm just playing. Um, so uh, he's over there speaking, and it is a joy to be here with you this morning. Turn with me, and let's go to Second uh, Samuel chapter 5. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, we were in this portion, and we saw that the city of Jerusalem gets taken for the first time uh, by the people of Israel. It was the city of the Jebusites. It was kind of their capital. At one time, this city was also called the... the um, it was called Salem, and if you remember back in the Old Testament, Salem means peace, right? And there was the king of righteousness and peace, Melchizedek, who once reigned from this place. This is an incredibly important place. In fact, in all of Scripture, this city is spoken about more than any other place in all of the Bible, Jerusalem. It's a big deal. Well, David has taken it. He used the water shafts because it was impenetrable, he uses the water shafts, and though they did not feel there was any way it was going to fall, how many of you know God can make a way where there seems to be no way? Right? right? He does that. And uh, I was listening to Pastor James, who's our next-gen pastor over at Pendleton, and he was preaching this two weeks ago, and, and he said, God put the shafts there. God, God made someone dig it out of the bedrock. God did, he put it there long in advance. Why? For David to be able to conquer the city. God was making a way. And sometimes he makes a way over a long period of time. Well, the city gets taken. I mean, remember, David has, he has, he has now united all of the tribes. He has now taken his capital city. It goes now to being called Jerusalem, right? And it is now the city of David. And right whenever you seem like you've got all the things happening, that everything's going in the right direction for you, how many know that the enemy loves to attack at that point? 
He wants to crush you before you can get on your feet established in every way. Before you can gather your strength, the enemy wants to come at you. And I want you to see where we, now, now where we're going to go here, you got to see God is doing a lot of awesome stuff. God is helping David. That's why David's so successful, because God is moving. But David also was moving, and sometimes when we are moving, what we are doing is not in our favor. Because it says at the end of the portion that we looked at two weeks ago that he was gathering concubines and wives and having all these children by these different ladies. Can I tell you that that was not what God wanted? Deuteronomy 17, 17 says that when you have a king come and you, you, you put him on the throne after God's established you, he is not to multiply wives. And it's interesting the word order between concubines and wives because a lot of times what an author is doing, now it's not, it, it, it could be that they're not doing this, I want to be clear, but I think that they're putting concubines and wives tell us he's taking more concubines than wives. That's typically what you see. The first word that comes, they're trying to get you to pay attention. And you would imagine seeing it as wives and concubines because that's the way it shows up more often in Scripture. David, though he is being used of God, he's doing the things God wants done, he has a problem, and it's called David. How many could say, you have a problem in your life, and it happens to have your same name? And what we're seeing, even though David is a man of God, don't forget David is a man. And he's a man who struggles on the inside of himself to do what's right. But here's David's great genius. Okay, this is, this is good. Write this down. David knew where to run when he got in trouble. It was not that he didn't get into trouble. It's not that he didn't make trouble for himself. He just knew where to run when he got in trouble. And now he's got success, but he's almost sabotaging his success with these women, which, by the way, the women and kids thing is going to come back in this book in a major way. But now look in verse 17. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David and when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. Now, the Philistines are the ancient enemy. They, they, this is the group of people that they have been fighting for generations. If you remember all the way back in the book of Judges, they were battling the Philistines when Samson killed all the Philistines. This is, these people have been a problem. Now, this is the land of the children of Israel, and there are enemies dwelling in the land. They're not supposed to be there. And yet they're still there because they're allowed and the Israelites have tolerated them being there. And so for generation after generation after generation, the enemy has been there. And what does the, what does the enemy do over time? He gathers his strength too. And he comes after God's people again. And that's exactly what's happening. If anyone is known for killing Philistines, it's David. Remember, Saul hath killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. 
Remember that David was once a vassal king underneath of the king of the Philistines. Remember that the Philistine lords did not want David to go out into the battle with them because they feared that he would turn on them in the midst of the battle, and so they sent him home. Do you remember these stories? The Philistines do not love David. And David was just, when he was just one tribe, they kind of left him alone. They thought maybe we can negotiate with David. Maybe, maybe David won't be such a problem to us. But he's now king over the whole kit and caboodle. He has united the tribes. And he has taken a major city, a stronghold type city that has high walls and easily defensible. And he means to show himself in the entire region. And what the enemy, when the enemy sees the people of God getting united, the enemy gets worried. And that's what you see here. The Philistines come together. I don't know if you, did you see that little word there? It says all the Philistines went up to seek out David. They are not there to give him a congratulations and a backslap. They are there because this guy has caused them more problems than anyone else, and he must be destroyed now. They're concerned. So what do they do? They're looking for him, and he goes to the stronghold. Well, he goes back to Jerusalem, right? That's not what the text says. He doesn't go to Jerusalem. You would think that if you're being attacked, go to your high defensive city. But it's not where he goes. The stronghold is a different place altogether. It's called the Caves of Adullam. The Caves of Adullam, if you remember, when he was running for his life, when he was dwelling as a caveman with all of his guys, they, were, they would go down into those caves. And it was a place where David prayed a lot of prayers. A place where David knew he could meet with God. When David was in trouble, he ran to the Lord. He ran to where he knew he could connect with God. And he gets himself into this place with his army, and he goes to the Lord in prayer. Now look what the Philistines are doing. Verse 18, it says the Philistines came and they spread themselves out through the valley of Rephaim. Now the valley of Rephaim, the Rephaim is the word for giants, the Rephaim, or you've also seen the Anakites, right? There's a couple different names for them, but this is the valley of the giants. It's southwest of Jerusalem and, and they, they put themselves there. They spread themselves out. I want you to know that the enemy, the first tactic of the enemy, and maybe his greatest weapon of all in your life is intimidation. He comes to show you how great he is and how he cannot be overcome. He comes and he says, what do you think you could do against all of us? Now, I'll tell you what. With the world we're living in today, we started June, used to be the marriage months, now it's pride month. And it seems that every company out there is bowing down to the 90-foot God that is the LGBTQ agenda. 
They're not just giving their money privately. They are giving their money very publicly and their affirmation of the entire thing. The very thing that God says is bad for people and going to hurt them, these companies are saying, and we love it. Look how much we're with you. And I'm not against the person who is broken and dealing with homosexuality. I'm not against that person. I love that person. But I hate those that lie to those people. I hate those who are working at their destruction. And when I mean those, I'm talking about the enemy behind the people. I'm at war with the enemy. And all of these companies, they understand one thing. They understand money. That's what they understand. I, I, I hope that you're not all buying Bud Light, right? But I sure would like to see us Bud Light a lot of companies. I'm happy about what's happening at Target. I actually watch their stock price lower every day, and I have a little smile on my face. Because there's some Christians out there going, hey, guess what? We love what our God stands for in way of marriage and healthy families and healthy kids more than we love where we go to shop. And I, I just, if you're part of that, I just want to commend you. I want you to know I'm part of that. I'm part of that. The enemy comes, and it seems like everybody is totally against that, like, like we are outnumbered. Okay, I don't care. You could spread yourself out in the valley of the giant companies. I could care less. Because I'm in the stronghold asking the Lord what I should do. Then David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? They're in our land. They shouldn't be here. This land was given to us by the Lord for his people, for godliness, for the propagation of the gospel in the world. This land was meant for something good. And it's being corrupted and it's on our TVs, and it's in our library books. It's being shoved down our little kids' throats. This wasn't about tolerance. It was never about tolerance. It's about affirmation and celebration of a lifestyle that God says is not what God wants for, for, for people. It is, it is entirely something different. Many of us have known that for a long time, and some people are waking up to the fact that, oh, they were right about that. Not only will you do it, but you have to approve and you have to celebrate. And if you don't, we'll destroy you. When the enemy throws himself out there in this big intimidating way, I just want you to know that's textbook devil. Textbook. Because remember Paul tells Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. What is the word there? God has not given you a spirit of timidity, or that's where we get our word intimidation. But he says, I've given you a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And you can, you can, just living in the world we live in, it is natural to feel depressed about the state of things. But you run to the stronghold. You run back to the place. What does the Bible say about the Lord? The name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous run unto him and are saved. Yeah. 
That's where I go. Am I, am I anxious? Am I depressed about everything? No, I'm angry. But I'm not depressed. I think you'll see why. Shall I go up against the Philistines? Here's David talking. Lord, these people are not supposed to be. This wickedness of the Philistines is not supposed to be in our land. And yet it's all over the place. And they have come and they have gathered their armies and they sit in the valley of the giants and they, they mean to cow me. They mean to intimidate me, but I have run to you. Let's have a conversation about what you want to, to do about this problem. Lord, what do you want to do about this problem? Do you want me to stay behind the walls and just wait out time? Or what do you want me to do? Lord, do I attack them? Wow. How many Christians are just hoping the clock runs out? But that is not the posture of the people of God. They pray, pray different prayers. Lord, that should not be happening. What do you want me to do about that? Shall I go up against the Philistines? Do you want this enemy in our land? Will you give them into my hand? These are dangerous prayers he's praying because what if God says yes? Oh, watch, God says yes. Go up and I will certainly give the Philistines into your hands. You'll be with me. What's the old saying that the best defense is a good offense? We go after our enemy. Now listen, I want to be very clear a second time. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. I'm talking about going after the spirit behind the agenda. Do you, do you follow me? The spirit behind the agenda. But you will have to meet physical foes. I'm hoping to win that person to me, and yet I must oppose what they stand for. Go up. I will certainly give the Philistines into your hands. Watch what David does. So David came to Baal-perazim, and he defeated them there, and he said this, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breaking through of waters. Therefore, he named that place Baal-perazim. Now, this is where it gets its name, Baal-perazim. Now, you're like, Baal, Baal's an evil god. You're right, but it's also the word at this time for Lord or Master. Master of the breakthrough. Lord of the breakthrough. How many know that the Bible is a bunch of stories that communicate how people came to know God? Abraham says on Mount Moriah, he says, he's Jehovah Jireh. Why? Because the Lord provided a sacrifice so he didn't have to kill his, 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 his son, Isaac. That's how he got to know God, so he gives God a name. He is Jehovah Jireh. But many places... There are people in Scripture who they get to know God through different ways. He is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. He's where I rally to in the battle. 
He is Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord my righteousness. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. He is Jehovah uh, Rofa, the Lord who heals me. He is El Shaddai, the mighty one of Israel. And here he is the God of the breakthrough. You see the enemy dispersed and spreading themselves out and beating their chest and talking about how they're going to win this whole thing and it all belongs to them. And yet somebody got on their knees to ask God what he wanted. Jesus taught us to pray that way. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where does God want his will to be done? Is his will done in heaven? All the time. Is his will done on earth? Only when we do it. And God wants this earth to look more like the kingdom of heaven. And so many people say, well, we're not supposed to get involved. We should just be quiet. Where do you get that from? Where is that written? We're supposed to make this world like God wants it to look. That's why we see wickedness in the world and we stand up and we do something about it. No. He's the God of the breakthrough. When water hits something, water is powerful. It has the ability to break apart stone. It has the ability to to wipe things out. If you've ever seen what a tsunami does, you, you, you see how high that water comes in. When you see the power of a hurricane, you're not just talking about the wind, you're talking about the water, what the water can do. I don't know if there's any Lord of the Rings fans in here, which there should be after I've talked about it so many times. And if you haven't watched it yet, I would recommend the Fellowship of the Ring for this next illustration. There's a point where they're trying to get Frodo away and into safe area. They got to take him to the land of the elves in Rivendell. And so they get him across the river and all of a sudden the ring race, the nine evil ring race come and they're saying, hand over the, the, the hobbit. And, and the, the, the king's daughter, she says, come take him. And so they venture out into the stream and right then, all of a sudden the water starts rising and it looks like horses galloping and it wipes out the ring rains. He's the God of the breakthrough, just like that. He pushes over everything by his power and might. And he names it that, Baal Perazim. I want you to remember that's who he is. Do you believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do you believe that this 3,000-year-old story holds the the identity of the God who still acts this way? And so they abandoned their idols there. And so David and his men carried them away. There's another portion of Scripture that's a mirror story of this in the book of Chronicles, and it says, and they gathered them and burned them. When Micah, uh, Pastor Micah and I, we got to go to Washington, D.C. just uh, a couple months back, we went to the Bible Museum, and we only had an hour to run around. And you should never give two preachers just an hour to run around the Bible Museum. So we're running around, seeing as much as we could possibly see, as fast as we can. I think, it, Mike, it was you who told me that I had to go, right? And so he's like, if you don't do anything, go to this and this. And I tried, and I only got one of them in. But Pastor Micah and I ended up uh, 
up on this one floor, and in it, it had all these Canaanite, um, it, was, it was like uh, artifacts from Canaan. And we walk by this one display case, and there are all of these little Philistine gods. They're the very same gods we're talking about here. And they gathered them together, and they destroyed them. They burned them with fire. We're not going to let these gods be in our land. And they destroyed them. But watch what happens when you have a great victory. Verse 22. Now the Philistines came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley of the Rephaim. They just got their tail handed to them. Why would they come back exactly in the same manner? Why would they do that? Because a lot of times what happens to us as believers, when we have a victory in our life, all of a sudden we'll get cocky. We'll start to think that we can go out in our own power and we can go do things in our name. We were never victors because we did anything in our name. We did it because we did it in the name of the God of breakthroughs. Oh, they come back out, come spread themselves out the same way. What's the tendency in the natural? What Remember what Samson said whenever he would break off his bondages, whenever he was playing around with Delilah? He says, oh, I'll just go do what I've always done before. But this time his hair was shorn, and then they overpowered him and they took out his eyes. They cut off his vision. What can happen to us is that we believe we're something. Let's just go do it again. And we become presumptive, presumptuous. That we're, well, we don't need to ask God that anymore. Watch what David does the second time the enemy comes out. Philistines come out once again. They spread themselves out in the same valley of the giants. Verse 23, and when David inquired of the Lord, he said, you shall not go directly up. Circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. Now, when you have an effectual prayer life, and, and I want to say this, somebody thought I actually called them out by name in the service. I didn't, Mike. I didn't actually say your name. <laughs> but I said this statement. The number one thing you need in your life is an effective prayer life. And if you don't have an effective prayer life, you better get on the stick. As you get older and you run into more and more things here's the thing i notice about older people they pray more than younger people and they have learned how much they needed god and they have dedicated time to be with him they pray for their family they pray for their kids they pray for their grandkids they pray about their days they pray about what you they that, that, that the lord wants them to accomplish they have become people of prayer and if you're not a person of prayer get on it become that There's a great book that a lot of strategists use, and it's called Sun Tzu, The Art of War. How many have ever heard of Sun Tzu, The Art of War? Chinese general. And business people read this today. I would encourage you to read the book because the ancient principles of strategy are still at work in the world, and we ought to know what they are. Sun Tzu, The Art of War. One of the things that it talks about is all warfare is deception. 
What is happening to David right now is the enemy has set up an ambush for him. But there's another chapter in that book that talks about the power of spies, the power of intelligence. The God of the breakthrough is the God who's over your intelligence department, and he tells you what to do. Do you remember that there was a time where the king of Aram was coming against the people of Israel, but there was a prophet in the land, and God would tell the prophet what the king of Aram was going to do, and so he would tell the king of Israel, and the king of Israel was constantly outmaneuvering the king of Aram. And the king of Aram says, we've got a spy in our midst. We've got spies. Some of you around my table, my council, you guys are spies. And they said, no, they have a prophet, and the Lord tells the prophet what what you're doing in your bedroom, which might not be good. (laughs) That is God, the God of our intelligence. And he's telling them what to do. This time when you go up, don't you go in your, don't you go in pride. By the way, God's against pride. Pride will, will lead us down a bad road. Instead, you be dependent on me And I want you to go around them. I don't want you to fall for the ambush. They've set a trap. They're counting on you being presumptuous. But you're not presumptuous, David, because you came and you asked me about what to do. You're going to do this differently. I want you to go around and then come at them in front of the balsam trees. And it shall be that when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then you shall act promptly. For then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. We're going to do this differently. I want to tell you that God does not always do miracles in exactly the same way. If he did it all the time in exactly the same way, then you would have very little reason to show faith. God is not a slap two prayer coins into this thing and then I shoot out a miracle. That's not how he works. He has different ways that he does it. And Jesus, he healed many people. He didn't all heal them the same. Not every single one did he gather the, 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 the dirt off the ground and spit it into it and make mud and, and apply it to a man's eyes. God doesn't always do things the same way, which requires you to now have faith again. And faith is good for you. The challenges that you are facing, they're actually good for you. The challenges that he's facing has caused him to have to run back to the stronghold. And I I love this quote by Spurgeon, and I hope you will write it down and you'll make it your own and you'll quote it. And when it happens in your life, you'll just quote it again. He says, I bless the wave that tosses me upon the rock of ages. I bless the wave that tosses me upon the rock of ages. When I need God, that's the best place for me to be. When I don't know how he's going to do it, that's an awesome place for me to be. I want you to do this differently. But when you hear the marching and the sounds of the balsam. Now in your Bible, we we have many different Bibles here, different translations. Some of your Bibles will say the poplar trees. Some of them will say the mulberry tree. Some of them will say the the uh, baca shrub, and then some will say the balsam. 
And now, I'm not an expert at this, but this is what I believe is the case, okay? So if I'm wrong and you find out because you study biblical plants, <laughs> thank you for what you're doing and come enlighten me, okay? But here's, here's my understanding. There is the balsam tree stands, it, it, it grows about um, 10 meters high. And it, and it has prickly thorns on it. And it, it has leaves that whenever the slightest wind moves, it makes a noise. Or if there was anything that would crush the leaves down on the ground, it makes a noise. It makes this weird noise. And it's like a groaning. Or like a moaning. And literally, if you had armies move through areas, it would respond to that group of people because it, it, the way its little leaves work, it, it, just, it just starts moving. It starts making noise. When you hear the marching in the sound of the balsams, in, 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 the, in the leaves of the balsams, I want you to immediately obey. That's what he says. When you hear it, act promptly. We're supposed to be people of the Spirit. People of the Spirit are led by the wind of the Holy Spirit. We are people. That the, the Lord, when He reveals who the Spirit is, He calls Him Ruach in the Hebrew. It means this. Ready? That's what it means. Ruach. In Greek, it's the term pneuma. Once again, the blowing of the wind. And when the army starts marching, there's a rustling in the trees. What is he saying? When I move, you move. When I march, you march. Trust in me, I go before you. Who is God? He is El Shaddai, the mighty one of Israel. He is the champion of all of Israel. Remember when David walked out into the valley of Elah? What did David become? The champion of Israel. So what is he doing in the valley of the giants? I'm the champion of Israel. I'm marching. You'll hear my marching in the sounds of the balsams. And when I act, you act. And when I go, you go. And David did so. Just as the Lord had commanded him. And he struck down the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Here's, here's the tie, because all, all the Bible in the Old Testament is meant to show you Jesus. Where was our salvation always going to come from? Up in the balsam trees. There would be trees. Look up at the trees. Especially look up in the thorny trees and see that I am moving to save my people. He was up in the balsams. He was marching. Becca, Mark, would you come? 
And when David could see what God was doing, he attacked the enemy and kept attacking and kept attacking and kept attacking, and he drove them out of the land from Geba to Gezer. You're not supposed to be here. This is not your land. This is ours, given to us by God. When God moves, we move. We're going to attack in his name. We're going to find out what his will is. We're not going to be presumptuous. We've looked for our salvation at the top of the trees. Do you see the three crosses up on a, on a hill? There's salvation in the trees. He's moving on the trees. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus is the hero and the champion of Israel. The champion of his people. You and I are spiritual Israel today because we have believed. We are what Abraham, what's called, you know, he's the father of faith. We're sons unto Abraham, daughters unto Abraham. And today, God is saying, will you follow me? Will you walk with me into the valley of the giants of intimidation? I'm the God of the breakthroughs. Don't forget my name. Don't forget what I'm capable of doing. And when I act, you act. When I move, you move. It's a 3,000-year-old story with the application for you and me today. Will you cower or will you go forth in his name? You need a breakthrough today? He's revealed himself as such. Receive it right now in Jesus' name. Some of you have said, you know, I've, I come to church, but I don't know that I believe what, what has been said, but something's rising up inside my heart. I feel something moving in my heart. I would tell you that's the Holy Spirit moving on you. He wants you to believe. Would you believe in his name? Believe he is good the way he says he's good. God is wanting to call you up out of the, out of the pits of intimidation and get you on the path of victory, following after him. And that's what we are as Christians. We are followers of the Most High God. God wants to do that in you today. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.